scripture reading is taken from the Gospel of Luke chapter 9, verses 1 to 17. It can be found on page 1608 of the Pew Bible. Luke 9, verse 1. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave their town as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the gospel and healing people everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was going on, and he was perplexed because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead. Others that Elijah had appeared, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. But Herod said, I beheaded John. Who then is this I hear of such things about? And he tried to see him. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. He replied, You give them something to eat. They answered, We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve baskets full of broken pieces that were left there. This is the word of the Lord. It's a... As always, it's a joy and blessing to worship the Lord with you in this place as we continue to learn from His Word. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and gracious Redeemer. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. As you know, we have been looking at the Gospel of Luke as part of our study on being disciples of the Spirit-filled Messiah. This series is part of our 60th anniversary celebration this year of looking to the Lord for a double portion of His anointing and blessing to take and expand the work of the Gospel in our community and beyond. So this week, we want to continue our study and reflection together by looking at how the first disciples of Christ were sent out to change and transform lives in their midst. But as we take a closer look at the Bible passage today, we also need to keep the big picture in mind that Luke presents to us. Right from the first chapter of the Gospel, Luke is keen to present the coming of Jesus the Messiah as the fulfillment of God's ancient promises in the Old Testament to bring salvation and redemption to his people, to forgive them of their sins. And we have been seeing how Jesus, as God's chosen Messiah, which means the anointed one, how he had been delivering people from the bondage of sin and evil powers. In today's scripture passage, we see Jesus sending out his disciples to do what he had been doing all along from the start of his ministry. Jesus sent his disciples on a life-changing mission that continues to resonate to the present day, where our generation of believers must also take up the call to be sent out on the same mission to change lives. When we obey to be on mission for Christ, then God's power, God's presence, God's provision will change the lives of the people God sends us to by delivering them from the bondage of sin and meeting their needs in a way that only God can bring about. So in terms of practical application, we want to look at three areas of what it means to be on a life-changing mission for Christ. First, authority and power. Second, traveling light and establishing a presence, and third, meeting impossible needs. First, being on mission for Christ means being under his authority and power. In Luke chapter 9, verse 1 to 2, we read, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them up to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. As mentioned before, up to this point, Jesus had been the one exercising his authority and power to deliver and heal the people. Now, he is authorizing and empowering his disciples to do the same thing that he has been doing since the start of his ministry. And so, when we are living for Christ and serving him, we must also be aware that we're living and serving under his authority and power. Now, it is not our own power or wisdom or skills or planning or management that is driving our lives or work, but God's authority and power. And being under authority means that we are not free to impose our own agendas, ambitions, or selfish behavior in the way we live or how we live. Instead, our lives, our actions, our life direction are aligned with God's calling for us to live for Christ and serving Him every day of our lives. 
Now, this doesn't mean that we will encounter overnight success. Um, we saw recently the parable of the sower. Uh, we sow the seeds of the gospel. Um, there will be soils that reject the word of the gospel and the work of the gospel. But we pray for, to our Heavenly Father for good soil that the work and the word of God may flourish. Also, the authority and power of God for us is seen primarily through the cross, self-sacrificing love, humility. Um, that's how we exercise the authority and power of God. The implication of disciples living and serving under God's authority and power is that people around them will encounter the word and the work of God in their midst. The word of God that speaks into their lives and leads them to repentance and salvation and the work of God that delivers them from sin and death through the lives and weaknesses of disciples like you and I. And so this is what we need to focus on in our own day and context. What is the mission or purpose that Jesus sends us out to under his authority and power? For some of us, it will, look, it will still look like something like in Luke chapter 9 where people are healed of diseases and delivered from demons. We must be open to this work of God in our midst. It has been shared before how the McCallum Street Ministry started over 10 years ago when some from Wesley Penang were approached to help a family experiencing spiritual bondage and attacks. Our fellow believers from Wesley did not exactly know what to do. They haven't done it before. But in faith, they went and in the authority of Christ, delivered the family. And then it was family after family that came to them to be delivered from demonic or spiritual attacks. And so this type of work still happens in our own day and time. But there will be other situations that God sends us to which are not as directly manifested as spiritual attacks, but are nonetheless symptoms of an evil age and sinful world, broken families, neglected children, social oppression and injustice, all kinds of abuses, including economic ones. And it is not with psychological counselling or charity that people will be delivered, although these have their part to play under God's sovereign grace. But hope and deliverance come through spirit-filled disciples who live and serve under their master's authority and power. People who are afflicted in various ways are all around us. Sometimes we ourselves are affected or impacted directly or indirectly by these evil powers and hardships. But when we are saved into God's kingdom through Jesus Christ, we are no longer subject to these dark powers. They may still trouble us in some ways, but now we belong solely and securely to Christ alone. And having been saved by His grace, we are then sent out with His authority and power to bring God's hope and deliverance to those around us. And so with God's authority and power, you may be led to speak a word of encouragement with your neighbours whose, whose family might be going through a hard time. You, be, you could be convicted to help your colleague through a difficult job crisis. You may be asked to give generously to refugees who are in need. 
Through the leading of the Holy Spirit, you may be urged to speak out against any unethical or unjust practices you see in the workplace, or you could be in a position to help cater the needs of orphans and migrant workers who are abused. If every member of God's family in this church are willing to live and serve under God's authority and power, friends, I promise you, an unimaginable number of people around us are going to experience God's healing, God's hope, and God's salvation in their lives. Now, God's authority and God's power made available to us must be received in faith and acted on in obedience in order for it to be effective to change and transform lives. And so the question before us is, are we willing to be effective channels and stewards of God's authority and power that Christ gives to us to bring God's love, forgiveness, and hope to others? Second, to be on life-changing mission for Christ is to travel light and establish a presence. In Luke chapter 9, verse 3 to 4, Jesus instructs his disciples this way. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. In verse 5, it goes on to say that if people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust of your feet as a testimony against them. Now, different contexts and different situations would have different requirements. It's not always the case that you don't carry supplies with you. But certainly, on, being on mission is not about our leisure or convenience. It's about being on the road, not just literally, but mentally, spiritually, emotionally, being on the road for the Lord. It means to travel light where the priority is the mission and not our convenience or comfort. It is equally true that being on mission often entails establishing a presence in the midst of the people we have been sent to. It is about finding those who are open and welcoming to the word and to the work of the gospel and then faithfully serving there until our task is completed or the Lord opens up another mission assignment. When we keep these two perspectives in mind, travel light and establish a presence, the overall result is that we are geared up to be strategic and effective in carrying out our mission for God. It means that we order our lives to give priority to serve God's kingdom. And we do it in a way that people around us will be blessed. This means that we have to give careful attention to how we are spending our time and money in life. Our lives must not be filled with worthy pursuits and self-centered priorities, resulting in very little room left for God and His work for us. So we must be careful not to overload or overburden ourselves with unnecessary financial commitments, time schedules, and activities that so much so that we lose any sense of what God wants us to do. 
or how God wants us to participate in the life of his kingdom and in the work of his kingdom. We need to create ample margins in our lives in terms of time, resources, and energy for God to work in us and through us so that our lives are ordered for Christ and his kingdom instead of being over-concerned, weighed down, and distracted by our own pursuits. In the same way, establishing a presence means that we are committed to be present meaningfully to serve those whom God has sent us to until the task is accomplished or completed. It is not hit and run, touch and go type of service, but one that takes up our commitment, time, resources, and presence so that we can make a difference in people's lives. Taking these two aspects together means that the way we approach life will be very different. For example, the workplace. If we have a sense of God's purpose and mission at the workplace, then our primary consideration, whether or not we continue to work for a particular organization or company, is not whether we have a better opportunity or offer or chance to work for a better boss or better career development elsewhere, but whether God's task for us in a particular workplace has been accomplished. Now, other factors mentioned are, of course, valid, but we first come before the Lord primarily in terms of our mission assignment in that particular department or organization when deciding career moves and other opportunities. Now, admittedly, it's hard to discern and decide based on this, but that's because we are not used to thinking that our workplace is God's mission field. But when we start to realize that God may have sent us into a particular workplace to make a difference and to be His worker in that place, then we travel light in terms of our own agendas and ambitions. We establish a presence in that company in a way that honours God by doing our work well and honestly, by witnessing for Christ and being a blessing to our colleagues, our bosses and customers. Do we see our choice of residents and neighbours in the light of God's mission and purpose? When we decide to move in into a neighborhood or move away from a neighborhood, is our criteria based on what God wants us to accomplish in a particular place? How well do we know our neighbors? How can they be or how have they been impacted by our presence in the neighborhood? We should intentionally bring God's mission or task for us in deciding whether we're moving in or moving out of a particular neighborhood. Other factors are, of course, important, but which has the highest priority for us? Ajit Fernando is an example of someone who travels light and establishes a presence according to God's priorities. In the book, Consequential Leadership by Mac Peer, Ajit shares his testimony about deciding to serve in his native home of Sri Lanka and the lifestyle choices he chooses to lead for the sake of the gospel. 
After studying at a theological college in the US where he experienced much intellectual and spiritual fulfillment, Ajit came back to a Sri Lanka torn apart by civil war and in a desperate situation. He served faithfully but in frustration of not being able to do the things he enjoyed in the US. It was then in the midst of his sorrow about his country's problems and frustrations in serving that he received an offer letter from the school he attended in the US to join their teaching faculty. It gave Ajit the opportunity to preach and teach in the US, which had given him so much satisfaction earlier. But he knew that the Lord was calling him to serve long-term in Sri Lanka. His mission field was his homeland, and Ajit committed to establishing a presence there in the most difficult of circumstances, despite such an attractive offer to relocate and work elsewhere. But not only did he establish a presence in his homeland, in order to serve the poor in his community, Ajit chose a simple lifestyle even after being prominent in later years. In his own words, our calling was to minister to the poor, and most of them were people who had suffered greatly. To identify with such people, we had to adopt a lifestyle that made us accessible to them. I wanted our house to be a place where the poor felt at home. So we did not have things which people associate with affluence. He specifically made a choice to live according to a Sri Lankan standard of living on a Sri Lankan basic salary and not take anything directly that came from his overseas speaking and book ministry. That went to his organization, I think it's Youth for Christ. And so for Ajit Fernando, traveling light on God's mission for him means to adopt a simple lifestyle that can effectively minister to those who are poor and suffering. Establishing a presence meant that he committed himself to be present in Sri Lanka despite ample and better opportunities to live and work elsewhere. What does it mean for us to travel light in our own context, for our own mission that God has given us? What does it mean to establish a presence to accomplish what God entrusts to us. Third and lastly, to be on life-changing mission for Christ is to meet the impossible needs of the people around us with God's provision. After their initial mission expedition, the disciples came to Jesus and before long and were confronted with an impossible task. The crowds had gathered and followed Jesus to a remote location where Jesus ministered to them and taught them about the kingdom of God. But the day had grown late, and the disciples approached Jesus with the needs of the people to get meals and find accommodation. But Jesus wanted his disciples to find sufficient food to feed the people first before sending them away. We pick up the conversation in Luke chapter 9, verse 13, where the disciples replied, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all of this crowd. Which is another way of saying to Jesus that it was impossible. They neither had the food nor the finances 
for a 5,000 strong crowd, not counting women and children. The disciples were faced with an impossible task of meeting needs of those around them that stretch their faith and understanding of what it means to serve their Lord and Master. And when Jesus did feed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish, the disciples learned that no circumstance or disadvantage could hinder God's work or provision. For our part, we also learned that to serve Christ is to be confronted with the impossible task of meeting the needs of those around us. And very often, we will despair of the mission or work God placed upon our shoulders. The pain and the problems or brokenness of those around us, sometimes in our own families, have no human answers or solutions. What we have and what we can do seem to be so insufficient to the needs around us. But what the disciples eventually learned that day onwards and what we can learn for ourselves today as well is that meeting needs is above all God's work and not our own. We bring what we have. We offer what we have been given. We provide what God has first provided us. And then we see how God uses what we offer to meet the needs around us. The apostles Peter and John learned this lesson well. In Acts chapter 3, they encountered a lame beggar at the entrance to the temple courts in Jerusalem. And Peter said to him, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. They acted in faith with the authority and power that they had received from Jesus to make a lame man walk. But for many of us, it's not only to act and serve under God's authority and power, but to persevere by traveling light and establishing a presence in the midst of those God sends us to. Because the needs very often will only be met progressively over time not always in instant miracles. Scott Harrison is the founder of Charity Water, an organization dedicated to raising funds and overseeing projects that bring clean water to, to some of the poorest areas in the world. Before starting this charity, uh, Scott was a nightclub and fashion show promoter in New York, and in his own words, living very selfishly and arrogantly. Faced with spiritual bankruptcy, he wanted to rediscover his Christian faith and join Mercy Ships as a volunteer photojournalist. This is a medical NGO that helps the poor in underdeveloped nations get access to medical treatment. And in his experience as a volunteer, he was confronted with such tremendous needs and desperate poverty he never thought possible, which gave him the conviction to do something about it. It was especially the critical and fundamental need for clean water that drove Scott to focus his energies and life mission. He tells the story of Lita Kiros, a 13-year-old girl from northern Ethiopia. Lita Kiros was a bright and inspiring young girl who was raised in a village 
that had no direct access to clean water. From the age of eight, she had to carry a clay pot tied to her back with a rope and climb down a treacherous 700-foot cliff to a spring which slowly seeps out water, just enough to fill a small number of clay pots every hour. At the spring, Litikiro sometimes had to wait up to eight hours for her turn to fill up her clay pot before retracing her track back up the dangerous cliff and then back home. So her day was basically spent walking and waiting for water. On May the 19, 2000, Litikiro set out before dawn for the spring with a friend from a village. She skipped back breakfast hoping to reach the spring early before it got crowded. But when they got to the spring, it was already overcrowded and they had to wait until 3 p.m. in the afternoon before their turn to fill up water. This was the height of their uh, hot and dry season. After the climb back, the friends parted ways and Litikiros began her last leg of her journey home. What happened next was not very certain, but family and friends guessed that she must have slipped and fell and the clay pot that contained the precious load of water was smashed with the water lost to the ground. And, and they figured that she must have been filled with despair at the lost precious water that her family was dis depending on. A 10-hour effort had gone to waste. Nobody understands what went through her mind next or what happened exactly. But the 13-year-old child did not make it back alive to her family. These are the desperate needs of poverty-stricken communities that drive the work of disciples like Scott Harrison. At one level, the needs seem impossible to meet. By one estimate, there are over 600 million people who live every day without direct access to clean water. But because, but because of how God touched and convicted convicted one young disciple. Scott's organization have been, been able to raise funds for almost 23,000 water projects for 7 million people around the world since they started over 10 years ago. The Lord is still working to this day to feed people in the wilderness and to send out disciples under his authority and power to accomplish the work. For our own context here in Penang Trinity, I believe we can potentially meet needs and impact lives around us by having a church growth mindset. Meaning we must always be praying and ready to push the boundaries and reach of our service and ministries to those around us. Meaning we have an enterprising spirit for God's kingdom in coming up with creative solutions and collaborations to help meet the needs of the community around us. Most of all, I, I believe it means that we need to think in terms of small focus groups of church plants that are present out there, beyond the four walls of this church, that meet and serve the needs of the people where they are. Of course, for sure, we need to invite people into the church to experience corporate worship 
and community care in a way that is fundamental to faith formation. But increasingly, I believe we need church plants or small group initiatives that gather and meet where the people are to build relationships and to serve the needs in addition to our Sunday services and regular church activities here. Alpha Workplace is one such effort. So far, I know of two Alpha Workplace groups that have started by our church members that meet with non-believers in non-traditional church settings, either in cafes or in offices. Other possibilities could include working with other believers in your neighbourhoods to meet special needs in your particular area. Starting support groups for single-parent families or broken families or just young families within your circle or context. Forming support groups to mentor and support young professionals and entrepreneurs to influence the business world for Christ. When small focus groups like this start, I see them as potential church plants in a sense of this is where God is going to pour out His love and spirit on the people we're ministering to. So involve your small groups if the Lord so leads you to any such opportunities or come and contact church leaders where we Hope to provide uh, some guidance or point you to resources that might be helpful. God puts us in a community of faith so that we can serve as a community of faith with mutual encouragement, support, and accountability. But the key thing is that as disciples, we have a sense of calling and responsibility to be sent out into the world on a life-changing mission. And we learn to be conscious and to be aware of serving under God's authority and power, of traveling light and establishing a presence and bringing the impossible needs of the people around us to the Lord for his provision. I'd like to close with uh, praying for us even right now. I'd like to uh, just invite us to bow our heads and open our hearts to the Lord. I want to first uh, pray for any of us here who might need God's authority and power in your life for a certain burden or a certain need that you have for someone close to you. And we want to pray for God's grace and intervention in His authority and power to work in your life. If you have such a need, I just want to invite you to, in your own way, open up your heart to the Lord right now. Father, with all our hope and trust in you. We look to you, gracious God. We bring our lives before you. We bring this need before you. And Father, we ask of you this day. You know what we need. And we ask of you, Lord, bring your healing, bring your deliverance, bring your salvation into our lives so that we are no longer subject to sin and dark powers, but rather by your grace, we are saved into the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we ask of you by faith for all those whose hearts are open before you that you will do and accomplish this work in their hearts and in their lives and in the lives of their family even right now. 
I also want to pray for us, for those of us who are open to be sent out to work for the kingdom with His authority and power. I ask that you also open your hearts to the Lord. Father, we can only come by faith, trusting in your grace. Lord, use what we have. Use whatever you have given us in our lives. And Father, we pray this day that by the Spirit of Christ, you were sent us out to change and transform the lives of the people around us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.